Hey there, and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 50 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Sainemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. I hope that you've had a great Christmas season and a great celebration and uh, ate a lot of food. As we look forward to 2022, um, this episode, I think, specifically helps us uh, strategically as we look forward to that, is I sit down with Brent Crow and learn from him about our best life. You know, that's a common phrase that is is thrown around in pop culture. Um, we see that a lot, living your best life, Instagram, Facebook, best life, hashtag best life. But the reality of it is, is he shares with us as we look to the future, um, without Jesus in our life, um, we, it will this idea of the best life will come up wanting. And um, we will come up well, maybe a little bit frustrated, a little bit irritated. Um, if we're not fulfilling and doing what God has called us to do, that's the idea of the best life is fulfilling the idea for what God has for our life and, and following that and not just the, the common culture of, of cha- chasing things, chasing, chasing experiences, chasing uh, fun, but the reality of it is walking in the purpose that Jesus has called us to as we look forward to 2022. He gives a phenomenal illustration also about blue tarps and the temporary nature of blue tarps. And uh, many of us has spent um, 2020 and 2021 in this idea of not knowing didn't want to make necessarily a bunch of plans, um, tentativeness, and uh, as he uses it, the idea of a blue tarp. Um, after um, hurricanes go through Florida, he said that was a lot of things you would see. Uh, you would see them around Orlando, a lot of blue tarps. But moving into a permanent structure, um, beginning to solidify, make plans, and building foundations as we move to the future for um, 2022. So uh, I think you enjoy this podcast. It was an encouragement for me. I really learned a lot from him. He's very insightful and very out going and um, very engaging. So, well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today with a new friend, Brent Crow. Brent, so excited to have you with us. Hey, buddy. Thanks so much for uh, for allowing me be on the show on the podcast in the conversation all the way from florida to nairobi that's it that's it brent for those who have not read your book or maybe do not um know you yet could you just take a few minutes to share a little bit about yourself yes sir well uh, i'm sure a handful have read my book and even fewer know who i am so let's just be honest about that um my name is brent uh i serve an organization called student leadership university Uh, We're based out of Orlando, Florida, but we're a leadership development journey for middle and high school students. We've had about a quarter of a million students that have gone on this leadership development journey that we provide. Uh, It's a series of experiences that really takes them around the world. Um, And uh, I've been married for coming up on 20 years. Uh, We have six kids. Our oldest is uh, about to turn 16 and my youngest is six, four uh, daughters, two sons, wow. and I will probably be an old man at my youngest graduation. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's kind of my life in a nutshell. <laughs> Can you show, share just a little bit more about the Student, student Leadership University? How did that yes. start? And um, yeah, just some more information for maybe some parents that are listening in. I'm sure that Love piqued to. their interest. Love to, man. Thank you. Yeah, my our, our founder, Dr. Jay Strack, started SLU, Student Leadership University, 27 years ago. It was uh, birthed out of a desire 
to give students, high school students primarily, a, an experience that would prepare them for this crazy world that they're going to step into called university. Uh, and that's where the original name came from, Student Leadership University. We were trying to get them ready to go uh, step onto university campuses and be on mission uh, and uh, uh, live a life unapologetically unashamed of the gospel of Jesus, uh, whether they were in a classroom or on a field or at a job, but as they stepped into that next chapter of life. Um, it started with just a handful of students, about 15 students at year one, and just really evolved from there in which as we continued to train and equip students, uh, it expanded where students were coming back going, I want more. So we start out, start out with what's called SLU 101, which was a leadership conference here in Orlando. Then we, you know, went to 201. That happens in Washington, D.C. 301, London, Oxford, Paris, Normandy. And SLU 401, we're in the Middle East, in the Holy Land, Israel, wow. Jordan, a couple of Palestinian territories. Um, and, uh, you know, it just kind of evolved into this more holistic journey, if you will, yeah. that is coming alongside students and saying, like, the, the whole world's on fire with leadership, like leadership this, leadership that. But the truth is, we in the, in the church use leadership and discipleship kind of in syn as synonymous terms, and we shouldn't. And so what we're saying is that you are called to be a disciple of Jesus. Yeah. And our organization comes alongside to help you to understand your influence, steward your influence, and cultivate your influence for the glory of God as a disciple of Jesus. And, mm. and so uh, that's why we say over and over again at the program, leadership begins at the feet of Jesus. So that's, wow. that's a little bit about our organization. That's good work. Good work. Could you just share a little bit more? You said in the church, we use the word leader. And what was the other one that you said that disciple. we use? Disciple. Could you just unpack that? Just that's, that's quite interesting. Could you unpack yeah, that just for a minute or two? I, you know, a lot of times if we, you know, let's say we have a 16, 17 year old student who is, is serving in our ministry or something, you know, we'll look at that student. If you're the pastor and go, Hey man, that kid's a leader. Yeah. Well, they're serving. You know, yeah. and and but we also mean at the same time, yeah, they they show up to church, they love Jesus, they and we've kind of in as leadership has become more and more of a not just a buzzword, but an industry, really. Right. Um, it it has provided uh, us with kind of a vague version of what disciple and leader mean. It's watered down our terms in one sense. Hmm. And I, I can't find anywhere in the Bible that we're called to be leaders, right? Yeah. Uh, but we are called to be disciples. Yeah. And I haven't ever met somebody who cared about disciple making that that went, yeah, disciple making is easy. It just call, it just involves <laughs> it's, it's a three step process. I mean, you know, none of that jive. It's right. it, there's we spend a lifetime, yeah, trying to understand what it means to be a disciple and to be a disciple. In fact, I, I believe discipleship is best understood through the paradigm of pilgrimage. Jesus said, hmm. come and follow me. Hmm. We're going to go on a journey together. And the, 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 the psalmist said, happy are the people whose strength is in you, yeah. whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Yeah. We were created to go on a journey. So what we're trying to do at SLU is go, hey, you're a disciple of Jesus first. Yeah. And so what, we're, what we want to help you understand is that along the way, the Lord has granted you influence. Hmm. And you're going to get more of it if you steward it well. Yeah. Um, you're probably going to get less of it if you don't. And so how do we use our influence 
as disciples of Jesus. Yeah. And, and so there's been this kind of blurring of the, you know, kind of terms, if you yeah. will. It's uh, good. It's, it's hard to have clear vision if you, if you don't clearly define your terms. It's good. That's good. And work. what words mean. So what we're trying to do is go, no, no, we're not blurring those lines. We're saying leadership development yeah. is simply part yeah. of yeah. the disciple making process. Good word. Good word. So you talk a little bit about COVID and how COVID has impacted our vision for the future. And then you, you also share that, you know, self-help, self-help alone um, is, is not going to be enough to help us through this. Could you just share a little bit about um, how COVID has affected our vision for the future? Yeah, well, gosh, I think every, every single person could, could answer that in different ways, of course. But if, if I could, as I've listened to, and you, I know as, as well, Aaron, I've listened to quite a few people who have, uh, what we as pastors here are the groanings of those who are who are struggling through a time which we've never seen before and prayerfully will never see again. Um, as I listen, and I've buried friends, um, I've sat in the same room with people who said this whole thing was is 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 a hoax, and people who go, but people go, no, it's not a hoax. My my dad died. I mean, I've been in that room where both those people yeah. were going at each other. I. I don't, I try to stay divorced from the politics of it all because I believe um, those who are strong in the faith, Paul urges us in Romans 14 to be very patient with those who are weaker in the faith. Mm-hmm. And so whether someone is in the faith or not in the faith, if I'm, if I'm confident in who I am in my relationship with Jesus, it is incumbent upon me to be very patient and loving and it seems like there's the we've lost the art of extending grace to one another. Wow, that's good. And um, so it doesn't really matter where you land on these things. In, in, in when you go, how has it affected our culture? Because I think we all can agree, it's affected our culture. I, I wrote down three ways. It's it's disrupted our rhythms. Hmm. Uh, part of the everybody's going. I want to get back to normal. I want to get back to normal. What they really mean by that is, I want a rhythm that makes sense again. Yeah, that's good. Um, I think it's uh, it's certainly disrupted our relationships, hmm. uh, whether that's the political side of it, people disagreeing, whether it's health, hmm. uh, whether it's taking it, you know, to the point where we can't see each other anymore until this pandemic is passed. No matter where you are on on this thing, it's it's disrupted our relationships. And then I think it's it's dis- the last thing that I wrote down in is that it's disrupting our reasoning. Mm. Um, we don't seem to reason well with one another. Mm. Uh, we seem to bark at each other from a distance. Mm. We become very um, tribal in our views. Mm. Uh, we've not become more patient with each other. We've become less. We've not become more loving. We've become less. And, and so it's, it really has turned our whole, our whole lives upside down because it's disrupted our rhythms, relationships, and our reasonings. Yeah. And so self-help, you, as we look to 2022, self-help um, and your best life without Jesus, I, I guess, is, is not going to happen. Is that what no. I hear you say? No, pl- clearly. You know, the book, um, you know, publishers are a beautiful or- thing. They're, they're great organizations and I'm, you couldn't do books without them. But they do, you know, the, the, the publisher Lifeway asked me, hey, man, everybody's using this word phrase, your best life. Yeah. Uh, what if we looked at that phrase through the grid of scripture? Hmm. We'd have a very, very different view than what is being espoused as one's right. best life. 
For sure. You know, I really do think we can live the, the best life possible for us in Christ Jesus in this world as we make our way home to the heaven country. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's very different than what is being uh, paraded across social media platforms and, 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 and any streaming platforms and however we consume media and information. I, I'll simply say this. If your best life as understood through the grid of scripture and primarily the teachings of Jesus, what we did is take this question, what would our best lives look, look like if we took that question to Jesus hmm. um, and uh, allowed him to answer it? And what we discovered was that Jesus spoke a lot about uh, how to be faithful and obedient to the faith during some very trying times. Yeah. But it involved a, very, a much simpler approach to life, which means our lives are going to be a lot less cluttered. Hmm. Uh, it was a, a much more focused hmm. uh, approach to life. I, I believe when you have focus, a clarity and focus, you're going to, you're going to live a much more fulfilled life. Um, and then I think it's, it's a life that's, that's sacred as well. When you live the way he teaches us to live. In other words, every day is, is kissed with his presence. And, um, that's the best life you can live in my opinion. And, and yeah. so what we did is we took this phrase that's being tossed around in humorous ways or serious ways, or <laughs> we just took it to Jesus and said, how would Jesus answer this question? And best we could, we studied the scriptures and wrote a book on that. And you and as you look at students, um, you know, it was the student leadership university. How has this idea of your best life, um, doing in the common culture's view, is that impacting that generation? And do you see that impacting that generation and, and trying to so. do that without Jesus? Very much so. Well, first of all, let's admit generation. You said this generation, we, we have gone through a generational break. You know, okay. we went, we've shifted from the millennials to Gen Z. Now, the reason that's a bigger deal than it's ever been before is because this is the most significant generational break that we've seen in our lifetimes. Aaron, hmm. you've seen or I've seen. Uh, I don't want to guess your age because because I'm okay. Well, I'm right behind you, 43. So, um, but you know, you and I are Gen Xers. Yeah, we're the smallest generation. Uh, we were we were too high to really remember anything and and very cynical about everything. And so that's Gen Xers, right? Our, but our music was good. Can we be honest about that? Our music was awesome, right? True. Better Nezra, Metallica, Guns and Roses. I mean, you know, the whole grunge movement. I mean, we had we had good, good rage against the machine. Oh, my gosh. Rage against the machine is the gift. Anyways, uh, there you go. I've just disqualified myself with most missionaries. That are listening to this. But anyways, we, we, we were a, a, an odd generation. But then along came the millennials. Yeah. And they embraced everything. Yeah, they were NASCAR. They're the NASCAR generation. Let's get as many stickers on our hood as we possibly can. Mm. Um, but when we got to Gen Z, hmm. they looked at both Gen X, their parents, yeah. and they looked at the millennials, those right behind them, and they went, I don't want anything to do with either of those approaches. Wow. So they are the most fiscally conservative generation we have. Hmm. They rival the boomer generation in how conservative hmm. they are with their finances. Interesting. On the other side, they're the most socially liberal generation. That has existed to this point. Um, but there's so many positives. Like the, the thing about 
The thing about Gen Z, to answer your question, I know it felt like I went around the bend. No, no, question, it's good. It's we good had stuff. to get Rage Against the Machine in there. <laughs> and so, um, so, so, I, but the Gen Z has said, all right, we're going to make really strong long-term commitments. What I mean by that is, you know, the millennials wanted to have 10 jobs on the resume by the time they were 30. Gen Z comes along and they go, that's stupid. Yeah. How is that good? How's that healthy? Right? Like I want to commit, like it's yeah. better for me to have one 10 year experience and go deep yeah. with that experience than 10 surface level experiences over for 10 years. And so what that means is that you have a generation with an appetite. We know this about them. They have an appetite for longevity, <laughs> for long-term commitment. They mm. want to commit to something, but they're going to research it. It has to be worth it. Mm. It has to make sense on multiple levels, which we could talk about, but that would be a whole separate podcast. I, it has to make sense to the entirety of their brain. Mm. And so when you offer a paradigm for living to them yeah. that is holistic in nature and yet has this sacred simplicity to it, it makes sense to them. And that's what wow. 10 steps to your best life is really all about. Wow. There is a way forward. Our savior teaches it. Yeah. And it's to be quite honest with you, it's not crazy complicated. Yeah. Uh, but it, but it, but it's not going to work unless you let it, unless you let it work over the long haul. For sure. And, uh, and so that's, that's kind of how I think this appeals to Gen Z. Good word. Good word. Can you unpack the illustration of blue tarps? <laughs> you giggled a little bit when that one. Yeah, it, it, you know that one is. Uh, you know, you're you're a missionary, and I. Some of my heroes are mission or vocational missionaries. Um, you know, you guys get contextualization better than anybody on the planet. I, I feel like every once in a while, maybe every five years, we should just bring all the ministries together and let the missionaries teach for once. It's like all the missionaries <laughs> show up and have to listen, but. We need we need y'all to come teach everybody about how to you know here's how you meet people where they are here's the <laughs> principles of contextualization the basics and if you do those things right maybe here in the states we can have a civil conversation that lasts longer than a commercial break and so I uh, uh, the blue tarps is an illustration that I use to open the book um, and it is a, a, a illustration that is highly contextualized to where I live. I live in central Florida. Um, we get hit by storms and hurricanes. And I mean, we're just a big finger of, of land jutting out into a couple of oceans. I mean, you know, yeah, so it's true. Uh, it, it, we get hit constantly. And so I remember early on when I lived in Florida, when I first moved to Florida, excuse me, we, we had four hurricanes hit in six weeks. And I remember, you know, going after the first one, like, oh, that wasn't that bad. You know, because I'm in the middle of the state. By the time it got to me, high winds, right. a few branches down, no problem. Everybody's out in the yard the next day cleaning up, putting it on the street. You know, week and a half later, here comes another one of those suckers. And now everything we put on the street becomes projectiles. That's right. Well, okay, what are the odds of it happening again? <laughs> all right, let's clean up, put it all on the streets. Bye. There it comes again, number three, and then number four. And, and there was more damage done in Central Florida in that hurricane season through projectiles being thrown into houses mm. than there was through wind damage or rain mm. damage or water mm. damage. And so for about 14, 16 months, you'd fly into central Florida and you'd just see a sea of blue tarps. 
<laughs> and it's and a blue tarp is a band-aid that you put on your roof to try to keep further damage from occurring. Yeah. But it's not a permanent solution. <laughs> and if you're not careful, you can get really comfortable with that blue tarp. <laughs> you really it's it's not pretty. Yeah. It's not meant to be permanent. It, it gets worn and tattered pretty easy. It's wrinkly and ugly. It's not, it's not a, you know, it's, 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 it's not a permanent solution. Right. But what, what is happening in the pandemic is we are getting really comfortable with temporary solutions mm. to what will become permanent problems if we wow. don't readdress them. Hmm. And so we've got real, and that's the, the that's the blue tarp illustration. We got yeah. really comfortable living under that blue tarp and what's, what's happening is we're just stuffing more and more problems up underneath that thing. Hmm. But the reality is there is a solution. There is a way of living that yeah. does offer uh, permanent solutions yeah. uh, to the challenges and the problems that, that we are facing. For sure. And as we look into 2022, um, are there some things that you see as maybe shoving under to go with your illustration of shoving under there that maybe we can reconstruct our future to look different and remove those things um, and, yeah. and, and follow Jesus as some, some guidance or wisdom you'd have for us um, as we look to 2022 on that? Yeah. Wow. That's a question. Uh, you know, 2022, I think everybody's got a high level of anticipation hmm. Um and when you when you over anticipate something, it's never as awesome as you thought it was going to be. That's true. That's true. And I I think if if we have learned anything, and by we I simply mean the human species, right? It's it's that if we've learned anything, it's that we history teaches us we have short term memory loss. I mean, <laughs> so <laughs> we we uh, we have forgotten that we were supposed to be through this pandemic about four times by now. So we're all like 2022 is coming. It's all going to be better. I tell you what fireworks and I, you know, you know, I, but the truth is, man, we're going to, we're going to limp, we're going to limp into 2022 and we're going to struggle yeah. through 2022. Yeah. Um, just because a ball drops at midnight doesn't mean that everything's going to be made better. For sure. So the, 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 the best thing, the best advice I'm trying to give my, is I, that I can, kind of discover or try to figure out how do I navigate 2022 is that my spirit of optimism cannot be determined by cultural scenarios. Wow. That's good. And my, I do believe in having a spirit of optimism, but I, do, I believe that, that optimism should be determined by the fact that the, that the, the, the God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Hmm. And if I have power and love and sound mind, um, the power of God, the love of God, uh, the desired will of God. Um, <laughs> if I have those three things, I can be optimistic about my future. If pilgrimage is our paradigm <laughs> for how we live, then the best is always yet to come. Yeah. And so I think that we can walk into 2022 with a high level of, of, of optimism that will not disappoint if the basis of that optimism is focused on on what what Christ has done for us and the life that He would have us live. Um, but having said that, uh, on a very very practical level, um, I would say uh, that as we walk into twenty twenty two, we need to rediscover a few things. We need to rediscover rest. Hmm. It's crazy. We've been home more. We've been trapped more than ever before. We've been distanced more than ever before. But we're more fatigued now than That's we've ever word. been. That's a good word. And the Lord 
and his infinite wisdom gives us a multiplicity of examples and types of rest in scripture. Hmm. And as we, I did a whole chapter in the book on discover yeah. your rest cycle. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a rest to be found, but it's not one kind. You got to hmm. have all of them working for you. Hmm. And um, so I think that we need to, we need to go, okay, I'm, what it, what in my life is missing for some people, it might be rest for some people hmm. it might be relationships hmm. for some people. It might be the ability to uh, be content, hmm. uh, you know, so, but whatever, what is, what's missing and it needs to be okay. If that's, what's missing in my life. Then in 2022, I'm going to address that, um, that struggle, that shortfall, that, you know, whatever that may be with a biblical approach. Um, and I'm going to take the blue tarp off the house yeah, yeah. and I'm going to apply that permanent solution. Good word. Do you think the reason that, you know, you mentioned, I honestly, I remember batting down the roof in Madagascar and honestly, the first week or two, I had been traveling so much and so busy that it was actually kind of restful. But then once those two weeks were over, it's then I, for me, it was like the anxiety of all the things I wasn't doing and the fear of missing right. out and not getting to do. Do you think that's what's because you shared that we're more fatigued than we ever have been. What do you think this played into that fatigue and that we've not been able to rest when we've given an opportunity that we, that we yeah. actually could have right. and me included. So I'm not, I'm not pointing. Yeah, no, me I'm, too, I'm, buddy. I'm, me I'm too. saying I'm, me in that, that way. Yeah. You and I are looking, and this is an audio podcast. You and I are looking at each other on the screen. This white and the beard was not there at the beginning <laughs> of the, the pandemic. Um, the, uh, no, you know, I think that, um, I think that part of the reason we feel the way we feel is uh, because we have never been more divided, culturally speaking, across the globe than we are now. Hmm. Um, polarization is exhausting. Hmm. And hmm. we are a polarized people. Hmm. And it's, it's taken root in most, most countries. Now, you'll have some missionaries listening that go, hey, the polarization in America, it's not happening where I live. And that may be true. Right. But by and large, yeah, there has been a very negative movement across the globe where we have become more polarized. Hmm. Uh, and that's why Paul wrote the book of Philippians. Hmm. You know, he was right. Here's Paul in jail, hundreds of miles away. How can I solve this? This I just planted the first church in Europe. Oh, my gosh. And now they're they won't even go to church together. <laughs> some of them were Roman citizens and some of them were indigenous people. And then there was this battle that happened before any of us were born in 80, you know, or BC 31. And so, you know, your great, great granddaddy killed his great, great granddaddy. And y'all been carrying this grudge ever since. And neither of you could help that you were born in this city. Right. And so here was Paul's solution is, is, you know, why don't you, why don't you act like citizens of heaven hmm. instead of citizens of Philippi? That hmm. was his solution. Yeah. And I, you know, I would say, um, one of the one of the most fatiguing aspects of our lives is the fact that we we buy into a narrative that was never intended to be our story. Hmm. We buy into this idea of, uh, uh, and I don't want to even start mentioning examples because then people go, "Well, you're taking sides." I'm not right. taking any sides. Right. But you buy into the, I'm pro this, anti this, or right. politics this, politics that, or right. social issue this, social issue that, and it we're just becoming more and more divided. Hmm. And, and when, when you live in a divided culture, a 
a culture that is growing more and more polarized with time, hmm. it exhausts the citizens of that culture. Wow, that's good. And word. it does it in a lot of different ways financially, hmm. yeah. uh, mental health, yeah. relationally. I mean, you name it, and, and it yeah. exhausts us. Um, yeah. But I think I, I could sit here and name five things of, oh, if you'll do this, we won't be as exhausted. And da, da, da. the truth is, we just need to start acting like citizens of heaven. Wow. And treat and and you know live a life as Paul said that's worthy of the gospel. Yeah, and uh, if we live that life, yeah, um, I think we're going to find a contentment in the journey hmm. that we had not previously experienced, and I believe that others will be drawn to us as well. Wow, someone that's li- maybe someone's listening in and that that needing the courage to live as a citizen of heaven. Um, because honestly, the drift is towards what you said is drift is towards polarization. You know what I mean? And um, and that can easily happen in the heart and mind of a missionary. I mean, it's because mm. if you drift one way, you can drift towards, you know, you'll, you'll have a crowd. But as you're saying, we need to live as citizens of heaven. Is there, as you look at that, where do you find your courage to do that? Well, you know, I don't think courage is something you, you work up on your own. Hmm. Um uh, I don't think the, the most courageous people never stood uh, stood alone the, their entire journeys. I think word. we've we need community. Yeah, uh, um, w- we are more courageous together. Good word. Um, and by the way, maybe that was one of the reasons that Paul was writing to the right to the Philippian believers, like, "Hey, I know that y'all have a different view of citizenship here. Yeah, you got the same citizenship there. Well, this was the first church in Europe. Yeah." He, that was new territory Yeah, as a missionary. And so he's going, I need you, man, maybe was it that he wanted them to be courageous for the gospel? Hmm. And, uh, but he knew that they could never do that divided. Yeah, that's a good word. And so I think courage is going to be uh, a central part of courage is going to be a cohort of collaborators who believe the way you believe and feel like, hey, we're on this journey together. Yeah. The Bible says, happy are the people yeah. whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, not the person, yeah. the people. Yeah. And so we need to get side by side with some people making their way to the heaven country and go, hey, let's do this together. It's a good word. Good word. There's many parents um, that are listen- that listening to this podcast um, that have, you've already talked about Gen Z. And um, as parents are trying to help their, their, their children navigate the, the future, um, seeing that more and more of, of their kids are suffering with anxiety and fatigue, as you have just mentioned, do you have any wisdom for, you know, we, you talked about individual, but for, for parents as, as how they can help their, their kids navigate that, the, the future as we look to yeah. forward to it? Yeah. I, you know, I, I feel like parenting is one giant experiment that you hope turns out well in the end. You know, I, I, about you. I know you've got two for, teenagers. In no, your house. For, I understand completely. So I always say, Dr. Dobson said, if your kids turn out the way you wanted to, you took too much of the credit. If they turned out opposite the way you wanted to, you take too much of the blame and it's probably somewhere in the middle. And so that's been my motto, um, not that's to take too much motto. of the credit, not to take too much of the blame, but just to try to do my best. So that's anyway. a good model to follow. That's a good model to follow. Uh, you know, I, I we, we, um, we, uh, uh, and I know a lot of missionaries with kids uh, have a very unique challenge 
before them when with the parenting task because you're in a you're in a, a an environment that wasn't originally your environment um you are missionaries and so there is this level of almost like oh you're the pastor's kid so there is this level of hey you're living under a glass house type in a glass house type thing um you know one of the things we try to do with our our kids is not over involve them in activities uh, hmm. I want my kids to choose a couple things they want to be involved in. Great. My yeah. son loves football. Awesome. Go play football. I'll be in every game. Pick you up yeah. in practice. Cheer you on. But I don't want you playing. You know, and I know some parents are going to disagree with this, but I don't want you playing three sports. Yeah. I, thought, I don't. I don't. Because if you play three sports, so we sat down and looked at the calendar. I went, here's how much time is left over for our family. Hmm. And it was like minuscule. Yeah. Um, so I want my kids to be in involved in something that they feel like they're they got this is i'm involved in this i can do this it's awesome in fact dobson even said hey every good kid should feel like they're awesome they're really good at, at something at least one yeah. thing and so i uh i want them to have that but at the same time i want them to understand the value of our community as a family it's a good word and so we have uh a day a week that we set aside for family yeah and, and we have uh, traditions as a family where we are trying to um, do our best uh, to uh, uh, backlog that brain of theirs yeah. with memories. You know, when I was a kid, everybody said, oh, yeah, here's how you spell. Here's how you spell love. T-I-M-E. Yeah. It's not really true, right? People don't remember <laughs> the hours you spent with them. They remember the memories you make with them. Yeah, that's true. So we're just trying to fill that brain full of awesome memories that give them a paradigm for how to move forward. Yeah, that's good. Word. So I would encourage parents to spend more time, not less time with their kids. Yeah. Not get them involved in more stuff thinking that's the answer, but actually maybe being more involved with them. Maybe that, wow. that's the answer. Wow. And I, uh, I just, I'm a, I'm a I'm a big believer um, that the family I can figure out how to laugh, cry, and pray together hmm. is going to have longevity. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if, you know, for example, we use our kitchen table not just to eat, but that's where we do our Bible studies. And I'll tell you where I got this idea. Uh, even though people argue it's a very biblical idea, and it is, but I'm not that smart. I was in uh, um, South Africa speaking at a conference years ago and I was in uh, a missionary's home and they were discipling a young couple. And so we had a meal and it was so natural. The convert at towards the, like there was small talk at the beginning, there was some laughing and stuff like that. But then somewhere along the way of coffee and dessert, the conversation shifted towards a focused conversation on something in the Bible hmm. and somewhere nobody said, get your Bible out. Hmm. Somewhere along the way, everybody just knew I didn't have my Bible. I was the speaker and I was like, I just came from the hotel. I thought we were eating. And um, everybody got their Bible out, this young couple, their kids, this older couple, missionary couple. And, and, I'm, and they just naturally moved into this study of the word of God and then naturally concluded it. And we yeah. all went home. Wow. And I went, oh, my gosh, that's how I want to disciple my kids. So, you know, just a small example is of how yeah. we do this is, is so we make sure at least three to four times a week, we're all together at the dinner table Yeah, and we eat together and we talk together and we laugh and we 
pray and we study and we, you know, we try. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you we do it every week that many times, but we're shooting for that. We're aiming for for that. For sure. For sure. Awesome. Well, um, what's one question maybe do you think I should have asked you, but I didn't. I always, uh, sometimes when I do these interviews, people, I get done, they say, man, I really wish you would have asked me this question. I didn't. Or there's maybe it's about 10 steps to the, to your best life. Is there something I should have asked you or something? I don't know. Maybe why Orlando, Florida is the best place to live. I don't know. <laughs> or well, I tell you, uh, the question everybody does normally ask is, "Oh, you live in Orlando, so you go to Disney all the time." That's what that's the question everybody asks. You know. Uh, so we actually lived in Orlando for years, uh, seventeen years, and we just two years ago moved out to the country. Oh wow! Uh, and so we're about an hour outside of the city. Okay. And so we did did that life in the city and fast paced and all that. Yeah. And we just, so we live out in the country with cows and donkeys and chickens and ducks and uh, good, good for you. tall trees and a clear night. Good for you. Good for you. Well, it has been awesome to spend some time with you today. And um, would you pray for us? Would you pray that I'd God will use the wisdom um, that you shared um, to speak into the hearts and lives of those who've listened. And it's, it's been a joy. You pray for us. I would be happy to, Aaron. Thank you, buddy. Lord Jesus, um, we thank you for this day. We thank you that the sun came up and we know that your mercies are new. And therefore, we get the privilege, the choice and the privilege to rejoice and to be glad in this day. I pray that uh, for every missionary that's listening to this episode and discussion, Lord, that there would be a renewed uh, focus and desire to see your goodness in every sunrise, uh, to decide to rejoice and to be glad in every day. Lord, help us to wander well towards the heaven country until at last you call us home. Uh, we love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen.